Welcome to Talking Chalk Season 2. I'm your host, Jamie. With me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, Ian Goodenough. How's it going, Ian? It's going great. Uh, summer's busy. Uh, I don't know, it's just one thing after another. I got to I got to have dinner with a couple league mates over the weekend. That's had always nice. nice. Had a nice steak dinner. Uh, but other than that, man, it's just nonstop. Just, you know, living in a beach town, everybody comes... It's always somebody coming in town and you got to go out and see them. And, you know, it's like, then, then you got, and the other thing is I didn't realize how busy dating a single mother would be. Yeah. You think you'd have some time when <laughs> she had responsibilities. Nah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's nonstop. So that keeps you busy. And then, you know, I still work a full-time job too. Although speed thinks my company is front for what just, he thinks it's a front, just a front for, because he, I basically it's one of those things like I send pictures when like I'm doing something cool you know like if I'm like out to lunch with my girlfriend or like I'm golfing on a Thursday for like a golf event and so speed is just like you never work and he thinks Jay Lamb's a front gotcha uh so has the relationship impacted fantasy baseball at all yet so I had my first moment a week or two ago where it was just kind of came up so we I was staying over at her house and going to bed and, you know, and before I go to bed, I grab my phone to do that. You know, you do your last fantasy check before you go to sleep. Sure. You know, see if you hit any home runs, see how, see how Tony Gonsolin pitched, you know, how your you know, West Coast guys are doing. Inning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and she like, it was the first time she ever caught me doing it. Like, it was like, Oh, are you checking your fantasy team? And I was like, yeah. And like, she made fun of me. She was like, yeah, but it's not real. Right. <laughs> like, like I, she basically gave me the like, I don't see what you have to be worried about because it's not real. It's just fantasy. And I'm like, yeah, but like it's based on real baseball games. Right. Didn't she did not understand at all. So uh, so that was the first kind of funny uh, her, her, her catching me in the fantasy check act. Yeah, I tried to explain to my wife that it helps in fantasy baseball the more you check. Like if you check 20 times a day, you're going to catch like a call up or you're going to make sure you sit your guy who's, you know, sitting that day for a weird reason. And if you only check once a day, like that's the minimum, but like the more you check, the better. And you, I found myself over the years, just like lucking into things for, you know, being the first one to check or the first one to pick something up, somebody up. Uh, so yeah, that starts to create some tension is how much can I check my phone throughout the day? Versus her knowing what this is. And again, it's not real. But you know what, Ian? Nothing is real. All the shows we watch aren't real. Life isn't real. Kid, kids are real. That's real. And you know, single mom, that's real. Kids are very real. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that we do that's not real. So I hate if that, that prevents us from you know, indulging in something that we do enjoy. I have no shame with a fantasy check. You know, I, I, think, I think I was pretty... I wasn't up front on the first date, but I was up front pretty early about fantasy. Yeah. And there's like the honeymoon period when you pretend like, you know, her interests are interesting to you and she's like very accepting of your interests. But, you know, after that wears off, you got to see kind of how it all shakes out. Uh, I've had some, I've had some rough months, uh, not this season necessarily, but in prior seasons where there's been some, some pressure, I'll say that. (laughs) looking for if if that's the if that's the most uh flack i get is her telling me it's not real when i check it before bed i'll be able to take that but yeah i can i can imagine some other scenarios where uh it it blows up yeah the the most heartbreaking thing is when you win it all 
and she's not just not that excited. And you're like trying to explain the significance of it. And it just, you know, it, it doesn't hit home. Anyway, relationships and fantasy baseball. Uh, Last time we were on the pod, we declared several teams dead. I think this time we're going to go through and talk about some of the moves that these teams may be making in the future, what pieces they have that are valuable. Uh, And I have some other topics to kind of hit on first, but I know first, first off here, you want to uh, talk about the Trevor Rogers drop. So this is drops Trevor Rogers the perfect oversight of like you know my weekends are busier now with doing a lot of stuff with with my girlfriend and running around you know i ran up to dinner saturday and then i come down and then we have like the family thing with her and it's like you're running around everywhere i didn't realize bill had dropped trevor rogers uh, and house just plucks him out of free agency monday morning i you know i noticed that and i had you know previously when i did the castillo trade i engaged with bill about trading for trevor rogers trying to buy low now i preferred castillo I thought it interesting. He just drops him versus coming back around to ask again if I, you know, and I don't know if I really would have given him anything of significance or anything, but anyway, um, interesting. Just, I think it's interesting one because Trevor Rodgers not only was a keeper, he was a very highly regarded starting pitcher. You know, the right age had the breakout year last year was, I mean, easily ranked as a top 25 guy, I'd say going into the year. Yeah, I mean, I would say like top 25 dynasty pitcher asset. You know, it still takes some of the old guys, you know, higher okay. than, yeah. you know, over a two-year period or so. But yeah, it was a very surprising drop. And Bill is not exactly in a position where, you know, he's got premium roster spots. Like he and could be the type is, of team to hold. The, so yeah, yeah, and this is the type of thing. So Housky did exactly what I would have done too in that I wouldn't have probably thrown him right away. I would have, you know, you hold him and you see, and obviously there was some encouraging stuff, even though he gave up a couple runs. It, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, a team can do that or should do that. You know, see if he, you know, you bet on the talent, just hope that he finds it and bounces back. He's he's found it before. He's had it last year. You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it was a one-year fluke. But for Bill, it's like, you you don't have other guys you could have dropped. Right. Yeah, well. (laughs) To hold that. Yeah, the bottom four teams should all be trying to get that type of guy on their team. My theory is because I've kind of been here on this. It's like, you know, you think, you know, you, you roster guys for so long. A lot of times when you go, like you, when you think about dropping a guy or getting rid of him, like if you're trying to trip, you end up kind of rage dropping him. Right. That's what happened here. I think Bill had just gotten so fed up with Rogers. I don't know. I assume his last start was bad and, or it's the, he needed a roster spot in a pinch, but I can't imagine that because he's not, I mean, he's out of it now. I think I said before, I wasn't ready to declare him dead and I can start off with this saying Bill is dead. Right. Yeah. So just kind of a strange move. Uh, you know, he could maybe even, obviously Trevor Rogers is very disappointing. Once a guy gives up that many runs over that short period of time, you know, some rage is induced, but he probably could have reached out to another bottom tier team and like swapped disappointing young guys. Uh, Cause there's a lot yeah, of, those yeah. Types of players. there could have been, yeah, there's, there'd be other guys that, for the same reason people are holding on to them because they're a name or because they were kept or whatever. It's like, I, I don't know. And I don't know how much he did try to engage with that. I, I mean, I, if I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't have given him much more than like an eighth round pick or something like that for it, but there could have been other guys in my roster. Maybe, you know, I would have, I would have exchanged straight up for, with Rogers too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that the lower teams can be doing to, to get picks, but these types of players are somebody that I'd want to see for the last three months of the season, especially a guy who's shown that he has the stuff, 
you know, over a short period of time, two and a half months here, you know, he might be tipping pitches. He might just be have bad command, you know, things can click and things can change somewhat rapidly uh, yeah. over the course of a few weeks or a month or two. So uh, just a strange one, you know, Housky picks up Trevor Rogers. I did notice that he didn't pitch him on that first, first day. Um, so yeah, he'll, he'll give him probably a few turns through the order to see whether it's worthwhile rostering a guy like that. I mean, Jesus, I've, ro- I've rostered just for a point, I've rostered Mitch Keller about three times this season and you know, yeah. Pitching's rough. So. <laughs> The thing is, like, like and, and Bill just drops Trevor Rogers. I mean, shit. If I'm betting, it's like I I made that joke to Alski. I'm like, yeah, I like that bet better than that. It's like I'm betting on Mitch Color to find it, and he hasn't found it. He hasn't ever found it. And it's like you're betting on Trevor Rogers, the talent, just to find it again. Correct. So yeah, good for Housky picking him up. Uh, Housky also dropped the uh, the Marlins rookie who got hurt that came up for like three starts, did really well, and Bren just it's funny. Him up. So I think it's so good stash there. It's funny that like I feel like I'm on a young pitchers thing. It's like before it's like if a young pitcher comes up and you see his first start or two, you know, you know, you either see a high strikeout total and then now it's the pitching ninja, you know, shares his gifts, right. and his pitches. And it's like it's the same thing when like Pat was bragging about uh, Kyle Brash in spring training. And it's like, OK, yeah, that looks sick. But it's like, let me see this guy do this three times in a row before I'm going to think that it's any kind of real thing, because it is just tough doing it every, you know, doing it every fifth day. Yeah. And a guy like Brash has great stuff, but just awful command. So he can hold it yeah. together. And Cabrera was always that guy too. Like I, you know, like Housky was bragging about it. I'm like, the guy was walking, you know, five or six guys a night in AAA. Like that problem doesn't just go away at this level. Right. And they can fit, they can fake it or keep it together for two weeks and they look like an ace. And then it just falls yeah. apart for the next two weeks and they get sent brash got sent to triple a and now he's coming back as a reliever or whatever. Like, obviously that, that went bad fast. But for Brendan though, I mean, it makes sense as a stash. Per- perfect. Yeah, you know, yep. perfect, perfect pickup for Brendan. So let's talk. Uh, the next topic you want to talk about was the rookie musical chairs. So, yeah, the only reason I put that on there was I feel like we just had a lot of, not only have we had a lot of claims this year, we've had the, musical chairs of like Khalil Watson's been on a couple guys. We've had a lot of the claim and trades going on people claiming other guys that managers have claimed, you know, I, I just feel like it's just been this, I just, I'm interested for just any of your observations, anything you think that's interesting out of all that. Cause I feel like we haven't really talked about it other than the joke of duty, not getting these guys. Well, first of all, let's give duty full credit here. Duty is driving this train. I mean, I, I know, yeah, I do like that. I know all these guys, like I've got like 20 guys I'm interested in, in in the minors at any given time, but I'm not going to put that action out there. And he is, if I, if I made you, if I made you king of the league for a day, how many rookie spots would we have? Four. I mean, if you're like, I would obviously love to play a keep, keep 40 dynasty league, but that's not this league. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think this league could very reasonably go to four rookies and have it only be better. Eight keepers, eight keepers and four rookies. Yeah. Discussion for a different pod, but I was just curious what your number was. Because what happens is the the open spots are so valuable, like, and it's so easy to get a, a Gunner Henderson for a ninth round pick or, you know, any of these other guys basically for free, like Francisco Alvarez 
is a really good rookie, but there's so few open slots that you just get them with a, a really low um, waiver. Yeah, I had a mid one. I think I had like the sixth or seventh waiver. Uh, I, he just kind of eventually became, I was really originally going to hold my waiver, but it just kind of became like, he's too good to be out there anymore. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, if, <laughs> if we had 50 available rookie spots, you know, that guy is being competed for. But the fact that we only have, you know, the 28 rookie spots, it really, it limits who you can keep. And, and people are still keeping, you know, dumb, I don't want to say dumb guys, but guys that probably they shouldn't. Um, I think the league's got a lot smarter on that, though, of only, like, it used to be somebody would hold on to their top 50 prospect until they came up. Now it's, if they're not a top 15 or 20 prospect, they'll pick up somebody better. Certainly. But yeah, uh, duty is driving this train by making all these claims. Uh, and we're just, taking these guys like Robert Hassel, the third and Jordan Walker and guys that I'm very interested in either rostering or trading uh, just for the, the lulls, you know, making sure that duty doesn't get them at times or seeing that getting an extra ninth round pick or whatever, but it's, it's all duty this year. Um, I'm always fascinated whether that the picks that he is making are for him personally or whether they're for someone else. Um, the George Valera one, you know, that was a guy who wasn't necessarily on my radar. So that surprised me. Uh, surprised that was me. a guy, obviously I claim behind it. Right. Uh, but it's always fascinating. Like I text duty every time he makes one of these claims, I text him like the fire emojis. Cause I'm just so excited about, you know, the rookie claims going this year. And then I'm always curious whether it's for him or, or someone else. And eventually yeah, he's going to get I a guy. <laughs> And then he had a guy, but then he had to drop him because of his whole fiasco of trying to trade a guy without rostering him, basically. Right. And he, uh, I'm glad we caught that. I was on a, I was hung over from wedding in Gettysburg. You know, I remember you texting me as I was driving home and I was like, I talked to Ben or Evan. So yeah, it's one, it's one thing if you don't pick up the guy like that morning by 8 a.m. Yeah. As long as you're not making a roster move with the guy. Yeah, you're that he literally was holding on to three rookies at that point. And we should, I thought it was fair the resolution of hey, you got to drop one of these guys to you know. We should also note that Duty had a relatively decent uh rookie waiver at a certain point in the in the year, and he used it for Jer George Kirby to kind of secure Kirby. Uh, you know, because we all have these these mid picks, like you got Francisco Alvarez, I got Daniel Espino. So that's really what I'm interested in is like who's willing to use their mid waiver on like a guy that they really believe in versus who's just churning to get, you know, like I, the fact that I got Jordan Walker, I'm like ecstatic about, I, I would have used a mid pick on him. Uh, and so duty, like we joke about him not getting any rookies, but like he got George Kirby, he like secured that, that guy. And he's George Kirby has been pretty good for him so far this year. That's a player that will help this year. Uh, and now he's just paying the price of, you know, being at the, 14th or 13th waiver every single time like he got Valera for you and that put him at the bottom again uh so he's just missing out on a lot of the guys that are pretty darn good yeah uh it still ends up though I mean Watson was another guy I think that was competed against so yeah I mean Watson's just those those shortstops that come out from high school that are 18 years old like they might not be in the league for four years yeah I, I actually just read a note on him apparently he went like something like an entire month without a walk. Right. Which is your top prospect of minors. It's pretty bad. Like this is like, it's, 
it's the Brendan Rogers situation, really. Like it's the 18 year old who gets drafted third overall, shows a lot of tools, but like so many things have to go right with that guy for him to be a decent major leaguer. And so, so many things. And that even nine times out of those 10 scenarios where he is, he's not good right away or it right. takes a long time for him to come up or whatever. Yeah, Brandon Rogers I mean, might really be great way, at 26. The way, the way that our format is, is it's like, really, you need somebody for to really get value out of this, to them to either be an absolute superstar, like obviously like a, you know, a top 10 fantasy player, or they're good right away. Or obviously you can, the two are not mutually exclusive, but the, the there's so many guys that become useful fantasy players, say top hundred guys or whatever, that aren't good right away. Now it pays, in, and I can't remember how many of these examples are, but obviously like I held Devers for a year of him not being really that good, but then he becomes a superstar. So it all pays off because, you know, I never gave anybody else a shot at having him. But on the other on the other hand, you either need that scenario, which is hard, or you need the scenario of even if they're not a superstar, they're good and productive right away. So you get a free, you know, a free draft pick or roster ad for a season or something like that. Right. And, and you also really need to be leaning towards rookies that are in double A and triple A, because holding a rookie for four years, the opportunity when we only have two slots of, of that yeah. slot. When we've seen during the rookie draft each year, people are getting so much value from those open spots. Even if you're the seventh guy to choose someone, you get a Joe Ryan or you get, you know, a decent arm for the year. Like just holding off onto a guy for five years is not, not worth it. Yeah. They, ha they have yeah, to be I, Bryce Harper basically. Like, um, I mean, maybe not that. It's got to be that like, I mean, but pretty much that it's got to be so clear that he's going to be a star, you know, going forward. And, and I've, kind of go back and forth it's like i've i've done that kind of with devers of claiming him at 18 and i know there's other guys that i'm sure you know move claimed correa at you know a similar stage uh but i think i think those guys maybe not devers i mean correa was you know a number one overall pick it just it seemed like very much more clear that oh these guys are going to be an all-star right like uh the draft this year like drew jones is probably the best prospect prospect available andrew jones son but he's 18 and like, is he going to be good in four or five years? Like Bill has the number. So one I've already but... heard managers, managers are jockeying for him. It's the, plus the nostalgia factor of everybody loved Andrew Jones. These guys, you got to remember, Jamie, these guys actually played baseball and they grew up admiring right. Andrew Jones. So like Bill's got the number one waiver. And by he... these guys, I mean like Bill and Mook. Ben and yeah, Luke and yeah. But like Bill has Jason Dominguez and Mar Marco Luciano who were basically in the same position like hyped 18 year olds three or four years ago and he's held both and gotten nothing from either. So is he just going to reset the clock with Drew Jones? Maybe it works out, but like he's trading a guy who is similar, but two or three years further along for Drew Jones. Like it, sometimes these guys just don't come to fruition. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you, yeah, I agree. I, I like, and if Bill doesn't take him, I could see Perry Perry for the same reason of those guys taking him. And once again, maybe Drew Jones, so I haven't really looked into it that much because it's like I'm not in a position and I just already know one of these guys will take him when when he goes. Yeah, I mean, I assume Brendan would take him and like roster Cruz because Cruz is probably going to age out this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why Josh would drop leader or lighter or Hassel. Like Hassel's going to be up two years earlier than, than Drew Jones and lighter likely as well. Like you have to be you have to be pretty darn good for me to hold you for four or five years. 
easy. It should make your wife feel special. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to. Yeah, I don't want to spend that much time with rookie, but we went into it. Yeah, that is. It's, just, it's always interesting the different strategies and how you see different different managers claiming guys. And let's not spend too much long here, but kind of a standings update is you know you just declared Bill done. You want to point out that I'm crossing him off my list. Yes. Evan and Josh really surged last week. Evan threw a shutout 12-0. Like you move up in the standings. Have we said, a, and this is why I wanted to, I put Evan surge on there. Have we said a word about Evan all year? I think early on, uh, you know, I think Mook called him a pretender at one point. This, this league's, you know, week to week, things can change so a much. Pretender or, or yeah, a pretender? Yeah. A pretender. Mook didn't like the uh, team. <laughs> and look at the I, I would love to we need to have one of those like, you know, one month ago, the clip of Mook saying that, and then now like just the standings a month later. Evan's uh pretty wild the last five weeks. Eleven to one yeah, lost to you. Going off. Well, eleven to one lost to you, then eleven to one win against Mook, then a ten to two win against Speed, a three to nine loss against uh Duty a 12-0 against Brendan. So it's either a feast or famine for him. And right now he's feasting. Yeah. And so it's interesting. One, uh, you know, Altuve's been hitting well. Uh, for practice. Like it, maybe it's just because I watch the Astros enough. I know his rank isn't crazy high, but it's like, I feel like he's hitting for more power now. Uh, you know, 12 home runs already this year. Uh, maybe kind of doing that, the classic kind of age arc of, you know, just selling out for more power. Adolis Garcia, we talked a lot about as a keeper. He's probably doing exactly what we all thought he was capable of, where it's like he doesn't even have an 800 OPS, but he's a top 25-ranked guy because it's the, the 13 home runs, 11 stolen bases. And if he just keeps the – the 253 average is doable in that in that world, you know? Yeah, and the counting stats, like 40 and 40 for runs right. and RBI. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, he's probably getting a little – Maybe that kind of helps that he doesn't really walk at all. Uh, but it's like, yeah, if he can keep a 250 average, because the difference of him being usable or not, either being a great fantasy player or not useful is you know, whether he hits 200 or if he can fake his way to 250 like this. And this feels like the 90th percentile like outcome for Garcia. You know, there's some obviously some heavy risk there. That's one of the reasons Mook traded him last year. But so far, so good for this year. And he's coming on yeah. strong. And then he also is Alejandro Kirk, who is, you know, a hot hitting prospect for Toronto has kind of been overshadowed by their other uh, prospect. Um, Moreno is also quite, quite a good hitter, but Kirk has been the uh, 16th ranked fantasy player over the last 30 days. And Wilson Contreras, who Evan also has, he's running the two catcher Ben system was the ranked the 35th player of the last 30 days. So yeah, Evan is feasting right now. He's up to second in the league. Uh, and we'll see whether he can keep it going for the last three months of the year. And then obviously quick, before we go on from his team, uh, McClanahan, I would probably start talking about as a, you know, top tier dynasty pitcher and probably for this year too. And all that, you know, I'm just, I'm giving him all the, all the credit and accolades, whether you're talking just this year, if you're talking long-term keeper asset, what, how, how bad does Halski kick himself? You think? I mean, I, I was not I was not following the fact that House he had McClanahan at any point in time. But yeah, he dropped I, him. If you remember, you don't remember, he dropped him like literally like the day he got called up. Okay. Yeah, that's uh one of those it was one of those scenarios where he dropped him out of free agency, but he had drafted him, so he had to go through rookie waivers. Gotcha. Because he was um 
you know, being said, he was he was rookie slot eligible, but Housky literally dropped him right before uh, the day he got called up and then Evan claimed him. So basically that's like kind of break even for Corbin Burns falling into his lap a little kind bit. Kind of, yeah. Because those they're, they're both top three or four fantasy assets, like for yeah. pitcher. Yeah, now, yeah. But and yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's funny how the universe just balances out like that. Right. The fantasy Burns. universe, the fantasy gods anyway, always just. Burns and McClanahan would have been terrifying for the next like eight years. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's always a risk of arm injury to these guys, but, uh, but yeah. And then Kopech uh, has been quite good this year. Um, Bassett. I mean, from Evan, uh, Valdez was a great pick. Um, I mean, Evans, it's funny because it doesn't jump out as like, other than McClanahan as any real huge headline stars here. Uh, you know, Arenado and Altuve not being considered what they used to be, but it's like you look all the way through and it's top to bottom. Evans, Evans a good team. And then he's obviously got the elite starting pitching. Uh, other notes is high end anyway. Mook, uh, Mook's had a rough few weeks. I know he's uh, he's felt that, so he's he's slipped, but now he's kind of in the muck. He's he's tenth place, but he's you know a few games out of starting to talk about playoff contention. And we've got some. Um, there is there's a ten there's a nine and a half game back gap between him and Bill, and I declared Bill's totally out of it. You would say Trevor was out of it last time. And so Mook and Trevor are right there. And those guys are a few games back of Ricky or myself, which is where I kind of consider the muck. So you think, you think Mook's still in this? I, I do. I think the talent on his team is much better than, than Trevor or Bills. Uh, you know, he's got Max Scherzer who's been out. And when he comes back, he'll again, he'll be a top 10 pitcher. Uh, and then he's, he's got some starters firing on all cylinders. Verlander, Bieber, uh scooby-doo i mean he's he's got a really good rotation joe ryan is his fifth best starter um and then obviously acuna was out for a good portion of the year if he started healthy the entire year uh eloy has been out i don't think he's you know gonna help too too much um actually looks like he's starting the only thing i've talked about is uh yeah is the the uh the decline in asset value of eloy jimenez certainly yeah like you would have Think, thought he was like a top 25 asset over the last few years, but so far he's just not been able to stay healthy. Um, yeah. And you wonder, I mean, it's like, I, I wonder if managers are sniffing around for him for Mook. Uh, but although Mook, I don't think would make a move to trade him unless he felt like he was in it more. I, I don't know. It's, it, but on the other hand, like, I think he has enough other guys where it doesn't really matter now whether he was, he was, you know, his future guy or not. I feel like if Mook was in like third place right now and also had a bunch of guys that he would have kept similarly with Eloy, like that were easy keepers. And I, I think he might have, you know, that number of guys. I think Eloy is the type of guy he could ship off for a, a big package um, because, you know, he's going to keep, he's going to keep Verlander, Scooble likely is kept. So he's, he's got at least four pitchers that he's going to keep. Uh, and then, you know, Pete Alonzo, Buxton, Acuna, it doesn't doesn't take long to add up to eight. Yeah, that's true. So you consider the muck then. So we'll we'll draw the line at Mook, however, excluding Trevor. So Ricky, another one that I wasn't really sure whether he was in it or not. He was kind of on the fringe last uh, last episode, I believe, and he's kind of staying hanging around there as well. 
yeah, I think, I think Trevor's dead cap bouncing a little bit back into the muck, but I don't really believe in his talent. So I think Mook and Ricky are still, you know, well within the conversation of being able to make the playoffs. We still, we have more than half the se- Well, we're at the halfway point last week. So we're halfway through the season. There's pl- still plenty of time to make up what the, the three games that Ricky's out and the, the eight games that, that Mook is out from the playoffs right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ricky got the big blow where Bueller's essentially out for the rest of the year. Yeah, there's been quite a few injuries. Now, some of them have hit teams that are already out of it. Um, you know, like Machado twisted something the other day, though I think he's going to be uh, healthy again. But And it Nick, doesn't really matter for speed. Right, because he's <laughs> but, out of it, like I said. But yeah, yeah. Some, some big injuries have been occurring, um, and it, it just happens. Um, yeah. You can change the trajectory of your season. So that's kind of uh standings update. Let's talk about the trade market a little bit. Already we had Ben buying closers from Trevor in Biden's America with the, uh, the inflation. I just, I feel like it both of those, everywhere, Jamie. both of those picks were like one or two rounds too high. Um, but you know, Ben bought what he bought. Plus it's always fun telling Ben that he either sold something too low or bought something too high. I just I, you know, I actually didn't really even look into it that much. I just love saying that. <laughs> yeah. The thing about trading for closers this early in the season is you're also not even sure they're going to have the change. job. The job yeah, in two months. It's not, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not – I think that's – I think, like, buying clo- – like, having to have four closers, too, for most of the season. Like, I think that's a very old-school way of fantasy baseball thinking. I know that's just from, like, a couple of years ago. Like, that was the thing. But I think – I think that's like, yeah, that's like thinking that, you know, that's like thinking in the NFL. Now you need a running back to close out games, you know? Well, so I'll say that definitely by the end of the season, going into the playoffs, you want your three, four five five. Yeah. Yeah. But there is something to be said for, and I've noticed that this year, like, especially with my team floundering the last several weeks, if you have some closers and if you come about upon them cheaply by churning or, you know, drafting in, in good spots they can steal you some wins like i'm winning saves every week so like for the first 14 weeks of the season prior to the trade deadline i'm probably going to win saves where a team might go seven and seven otherwise so you can steal some wins uh early in the season if you have those closers but you don't obviously want to overpay for them uh and i don't think this is a huge overpay from ben but again you're cautious prior to the mlb trade deadline of uh, acquiring some of these middle, yeah, middle tier guys, which is what he's basically traded for here um, in Barlow. And um, I forget who even he, the other guy was. Tanner Scott. It might've been, but yeah, just, no, it was Taylor Rogers. Who's uh, been very, very good. Oh yeah. yeah he say. has been. Rogers has been really good. I'll say that. So, I mean, the third round pick maybe feels half around or around heavy for Rogers. And then, the Scott Barlow felt like that should be like a, a sixth or seventh round pick closer. He's got eight, eight saves and he might be flipped at the trade, the deadline type of guy. Yeah. And, and uh, Speed I, did that last year. Like he basically torched some draft picks by trading for closers that were no longer closers. Yeah. Cause not only are could these guys lose the job between now and then for whatever reason, but it's also, then you also have the, the trade deadline that shakes things up. Yeah. If they're too good, they might get flipped. Because you know Kansas City is not competing, and if they're too bad, they just simply lose the job. Yeah, they can go yeah, both, way, both ways. Um, and then other other trades that have occurred is you know the ones that were announced today. 
Uh, let's talk. The you first know, we one. get. We said. I told you on. I told you like last week we were going to get on and preview trades, and it was time. And then now we have. We go to get on, and there's trades. You know, just flying by. It's good to see because I feel like there's been a relative lack of action this year. I feel like last year there was a little bit more May trading and June trading than we've seen this yeah, year. Yeah, but I think I think this is the start of it though. I think like I think the you know this will get the wheels turning. Uh I like the the duty and Brennan trade. You know, I know we talk a lot about how dumb dumb how rostered May and he, you know, Brennan I thought this makes it it's like he's getting the fifth round pick for Barlow, which I think is fine. Uh you know, in terms of kind of just securing something for him like we talk about as closers can change. But also then getting kind of May thrown in, who I guess is going to be back in a few weeks. Oh, I think this is a tremendous deal for Brendan. As as excited as you can be for a 12th place team, like the fa- going rate for Barlow would have been a, a fifth round pick, maybe a sixth. Yeah, round I mean pick. he got full, he got full price there. Yeah. So to get Trevor May as May. like a throw in, that's the exact type of guy that that Brendan wants is like that really potentially high quality keeper level player. And you're it's a lottery ticket. Like if I was duty, I would have, I would have offered may first. Like, do you want may for Barlow? Barlow. And if he was like, I don't know, then duty could be like, how about I give you a fifth and you give me a seventh. And like, it's just a little bit of arbitrage there. Uh, But yeah, I I love this for Brendan. It's just, it's a good, good set of business for him. Like you said, you're getting, you're getting what is a good price for a closer or somebody, yeah, you're getting a fifth round pick that's useful. And then you're getting obviously the, the option on May too, to see. Uh, and as we talked about with him with other guys talking about the other managers, like whether he's holding them on a roster spot or not, and it's something kind of fun to watch the rest of the year. For certain. And, and May didn't show us a long track record of success, but he had a relatively short track record of looking like an elite player uh, prior to this Tommy John. And, so many guys are coming back from Tommy John these days and they might not be great immediately, but like if, if Brendan can hold his nose and, and keep Trevor may uh, into next year, like that promises to be a really significant transaction for him. Yeah. I think, I think Brendan's going to be keeping a lot of pitchers. Yeah. I was going to say like his pitchers look really stacked uh, this year and, and Shane Baz, you know, is going to come back and do really well. But um, it's all like we always say, it's a long trail from good now to being real you know legitimate fantasy horses right like Mackenzie Gore's looked really good in the early going and then the last two weeks has looked you know god awful so he's gonna have to kind of pick who are his four or five guys he's gonna really try to move forward with and who is he gonna look to flip uh, and then the other, uh, other the other one Brendan trade was oh. trading Brandon Lowe or our, our this trade was going to Housky. Brendan uh, Brendan told me he had a fifth on the table for Brandon Lowe and if I was interested in him because I obviously had a little bit of a pull at second and I knew it was Housky behind this. I, I didn't necessarily know. Brendan reached out to me and, and thanks for doing due diligence there. But like a fifth round pick for what was the number one pick in the draft. After two months. Yeah, that's so in the last trade, I say as a nice, good bit of easy business for Brendan, this is a perfect example of bad business. Uh, Not saying that, you know, when you look, when you look back on it in terms of like a return standpoint uh, of, yeah, you're putting in, you put in the number one pick. It's supposed to be, you know, not a transformative player, but it's supposed to be a, you know, you're supposed to have a significant player out of all this, Uh, you know, a guy you're potentially going to keep the next year. And turning that into a fifth is definitely a big loss. 
Uh, I don't know, if, but you're in that situation. Do you just take what's offered? Or at that point, do I say, do I try and hold on and wait to see if Lowe? Because Brandon Lowe is not only has he been hurt, he's been streaky before. He was awful up to pretty much this point last year and then went on a tear the second half. Yeah, I mean, what's the what's prompting you to trade here? Obviously, I assume That's what that I didn't Hal- understand. Kowski is the one who reached out and said, I'll give you a fifth. And then Brendan feels like, okay, I better shop this offer. Oh, I didn't get anything better. Let me take the fifth. But why don't you just sit yeah. on Brandon Lowe for six weeks here? No, I agree. And once again, roster spots aren't a premium on his team, as far as I know. Uh, and yeah, I would say just just hold because a lot of times, especially if you know you're going to be selling, you're going to get a lot of picks. That fifth round pick means less and less right. as you acquire a lot of those, assuming he acquires higher picks than that. We don't know. Uh, but that's, I don't know. I think, you, yeah, I'd say you kind of sit, wait, and see if you get something else or more. Uh, and how much worse is Brandon know. Lowe's stock going to get six weeks from now if he's still hurt or scuffling? I mean, What's he going to go down yeah, to an eighth round pick? Event. Yeah, yeah. It, it's eventually you'd get to the point where nobody would want him. And look, I didn't want to make an offer on Brandon Lowe. I thought about offering a four for him. Uh, but I kind of more on me is I'm just trying to kind of more or less kind of probably like at least for now, hold on to my picks. Right. Uh, and not kind of spend them too early. Uh, and and him being hurt, I didn't feel like messing with it right now. So, but yeah, I definitely think it's a, what you'd say a bottom or a low point in what his value should be. I mean, unless Brandon Lowe continues to be out and, you know, checking his player profile here, it looks like they shut him down a bit last week due to renewed discomfort in his back. Like if he doesn't play another yeah, game, that obviously it's a steal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, and I think, I wonder if it's just, it's from Brendan's mindset. That's, I think what it is, it's that it's, he figures it's done and you're just trying to, you know, you, you get something out. Then I always say the sunk cost thing, you know, the number one pick he's spent is already gone. Right. And, you know, to his uh, credit, he's got some interesting names that I would probably keep over Brandon Lowe at this point. But yeah, this feels yeah, like. I don't think, I think at this point, I think the whole, you were betting to see if that whole second half and streakiness of Lowe showed up still again. And then if he's a legit keeper, you know, if he's going to hit whatever 30 plus home runs. But I think at this point, you've, you've already, you're already accepted that he's not that. He, you aren't keeping him. Yeah, between India and uh, Marte, who, you know, maybe he keeps one or both of them, like he's got second base well covered. Um, that's, yeah, that's something. Obviously, low played the outfield, though, too. Uh, like, yeah, it's like, you know, I don't know, you still look at his roster and it's like there's, you know, he's got Robbie Grossman on his roster right now, Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, you know, uh, he obviously has a lot of second basemen. Uh, a lot of infielders, but, for sure. Shortstops yeah, too, Cruz, yeah. Abrams, Adames. Like, looks yeah. like if Abrams gets the at bats, that'll be tragic for for Brendan. Uh, you would like to see him be able to keep him into next year as a rookie still. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, two interesting trades for kind of different reasons. I think Brendan came out fantastic on one, and the other is a little bit of a head scratcher of timing wise. What's what's the rush? Uh, if he's got you know a connection with the the Rays medical staff and he knows that Brandon Lowe's not coming back, then, then it looks great. And, you know, we can all make fun. of. I Oscar. will say though, I quickly looked into it and I saw the back and the setback and I was like, I don't want to mess with this. I have enough guys hurt right now. I know I'm carrying glass down for all this out for most of the year. Like I just, I can't mess with it. I, I might be interested again, six weeks from now when some of my other lottery tickets, you know, fizzle out and I don't get anything off them, but not, not right now. Uh, that feels yeah. Like- that's kind of I was in a similar, similar feel. So let's talk about uh, what is out there uh, to be traded. And let me start off with a, uh, 
a trade proposal was proposed through Yahoo to me today. Are you aware of this oh, one from God. Pat? No. So Pat offers me JD Martinez. Wait, he sent you just in the Yahoo offer. Didn't no context. No context. Move out of my book. I love that. That's yeah. my like. That's, that's, my old, that's old school trade offer. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. JD see, Martinez. Yeah, this is a legitimate offer. All right, go ahead. JD Martinez, Lance Lynn, and Tanner Houck, who I you know I just checked the other day has been closing for Boston, doing pretty decent. And going back to Pat would be Julio Rodriguez and Renzi Contreras. It's just a flat no so fast. Like, I don't know. Because it's Julio Rodriguez? Yeah. Like, I, like the J.D. Martinez and Lance Lynn for Julio Martinez, like, that's just a, an immediate no. I, I don't understand. Like, that was, the, that, was the, that was the trade offer that prior to the season – would have had me intrigued but like now that julio rodriguez yeah, that was the so i thought i said that he offered me those two for bobby Wood at the beginning of the season and then pat tried to say afterwards that he meant one or the other i i'm certain was, he meant yeah. both so yeah i i agree with you it's it's like now it's like okay it was the whole point of overpaying and going crazy like that on the front end is because we don't know and Rodriguez could be a drag, but Rodriguez hasn't been a drag at all, and he's been running wild. Right. It's, you know, I'm going to overpay for the potential of a superstar, and if I hit on it, hey, I got a superstar, it doesn't matter what I paid. But now that he kind of is a superstar, uh, you know, now that it's, it's priceless, like, there's nothing. Like, you're going to have to come at me with Joe Musgrove plus. Like, it, it's going to be a stupid offer. Yeah. And, and Lance Lynn and J.D. Martinez are both 35, just doesn't cut it. Yeah, I mean it's not a it's not a crazy offer though, uh, like out of line or anything. I mean, I get them making the offer, but it's I get obviously too why you know it's obviously you don't even have to think about it. You would you trade those two for because uh, it's more interesting for you to be honest because you need outfield help and you know you could always use another starting pitcher. What's anybody. this whole? Who keeps saying I need outfield help? I me right here. I'm the number one person. You know, if you need somebody I saying I don't you understand need... the outfield help uh, thing. Like I have I have Jordan Alvarez. Kepler's Kepler's gonna get it together, all right? Because you know, you're piecing it together with guys that had two week periods of you know being good, Brandon Nimmo, Brandon Marsh. But you're you're gonna drop all these guys. Like Brandon Nimmo has been the five hundred twenty-sixth ranked player of the last month. Like Max Kepler's been the 420th. He was hurt player. though, too, when he was coming back. Kepler has got some great underlying. He's going to be great. Like Nimmo's a, an OBP machine, but like he's not even doing that right now. So I, I think you need another outfielder. Like obviously Alvarez and I is have, a great. And I one. have, and I still have the best. I still have either the best or the second best offense in this league. I'm, no, you have a fantastic <laughs> infield. I'm just saying, like, there's a glaring hole in your team, and okay. it's, in the, it's in the outfield. Like if no, tell- all right. So your point, if your your point saying, okay, would I trade Bobby Witt for Lance Lynn or for Lance Lynn and JD Martinez? And I think yes, that would obviously have to be in consideration. Uh, I probably still won't do it. That's yeah, and I, I would argue I, at least at this point, you know, I like Julio at least in the early going a little bit better than Witt. So, you know, I'm I'm not sure why. No, let me revise. I I agree with you that. Pat had to make that offer to start, you know, if he's shopping these guys yeah. shoot, you know, shoot for the moon to start. Uh, 
but you know, that was the offer that would have intrigued me prior to the season. Not now. Yeah, no, I agree uh, with that. And yeah, I, and I'd turn it down now. That being said, unfortunately, that just goes back to what we always say. The young stars in this league are just so are this, the value is just becomes untouchable quickly. Yeah, that's it's got to be like I'm thinking of you trading uh, for Braun or whatever. Like when you traded the the two pitchers that were both yeah, like, I traded Holiday and uh, Lee. So I was I was trying to think of uh, you know a trade that would be analogous to that, like the Joe Musgrove and um, Aaron Judge. Well, not not Aaron Judge, but like Dylan Cease and Joe Musgrove. So like two young-ish pitchers uh, for Julio Rodriguez. Like, would I do that? Uh, so that like that would obviously get me thinking. Um, yeah. But like that that is the type of offer that it would require not J.D. Martinez and Lance Lynn, two guys not only on the wrong side of 30, but they're not even like 31, 32. And, and to get into that, so – Pat obviously has chips, so he's trying to go after something big with that, as he should. If J.D. Martinez is really good right now, Lance Lance Flynn, as long as he proves to come back healthy, is very, very good right now. Who can he really go get, though, other than, you know, because you don't want to be resigned to trading these guys for first-round picks. That, that's the Eloy Jimenez uh, trade, Deal. maybe. is like, hey, Mook, you know, if you already think you have eight keepers besides Eloy, like – why don't you split that into Lance Lynn and JD Martinez? So if you're Pat, if you're Pat, do you offer JD Martinez for Eloy Jimenez right now? Straight up, yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't. Okay. I'm not. I'm not sure Pat I would take that. It. I'm not sure. Oh wow, Pat wouldn't do that. I guarantee you wouldn't do it. Like JD Martinez is the again. I, I get the fact that he's batting three thirty five right now, but the man was also born in. 1987 like i'm older than him but he's 35 he's 35 this year well, like, what why can't he just keep hitting i mean goldschmidt's the same age as him sure is pat going to compete this year no is pat going to compete no. next year probably Don't not tell him that so like now jd martinez is 36 next year and you're trying to train like is pat going to be good in two years and jd martinez is 37 and like i understand what you're saying about goldschmidt but how old is goldschmidt 34, 35. I think he turned 35 this year. So Paul Goldschmidt was born in 87 also. Uh, so yeah, basically the yeah. same age as JD Martinez. Yeah. I mean, if you were, if you were not competing this year, I would say that it's probably would be smart for you to trade Goldschmidt also. Like I tried to trade Goldschmidt to a manager and he told me that I couldn't, he couldn't fit him in his lineup. Who was that? I said, I, I and Macaria. Oh, right. Oh, Jesus. Goes, oh, no, I have, I have Peter. I offer him, I offer him straight up Goldschmidt for Verlander. Like right. swap, you know, he has the best pitching staff. I have the best offense. Like let's fix this for each other. And, yep. and we're not trading keeper at necessarily long-term keeper assets here. We're trading things right now to fix each of our teams. And he's like, I do that, but I have Pete Alonzo. Yeah. I mean, if they're both in the same lineup. Well, to be fair, Alonzo is playing his infield position right now and he has, Josh Naylor at first. So I'm not sure whether Goldschmidt uh, plays yeah. over Naylor. Josh Naylor barely, yeah, Josh <laughs> Naylor barely knew her. Uh, so, yeah, I would trade. Anyway, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. And it would be, you know, I'd have to think about it harder. It's like the, I don't know, at the end of the day, I just couldn't trade Bobby Witt. That's the thing. You fall in love with these guys. For sure. We all like, do it. Pat should absolutely trade J.D. Martinez for Eloy Jimenez. And if I was Mook, I would I would think long and hard about it. 
Like that's not an instant except for me either. Like from Mook's standpoint, I think that's a pretty instant except. But I'm not. Think, see, I'm not as big on Eloy, man. I think I think he's always been a little overrated. And maybe I'm not that big on uh, on JD Martinez. Like, I'm big on JD. See, I've been big on JD. JD falls right into that mold that I love of like David Ortiz and uh, and Nelson Cruz and you know. So maybe that maybe that's the perfect trade then is you know Eloy Jimenez for JD Martinez. Eloy was born yeah. in '97 or '96, so you're knocking ten years off the player, Pat. Like Eloy is not going to be healthy. Yeah, but this we year. don't even we don't know we don't even know if Eloy's good yet. You know, so again, JD Martinez is hitting well right now through a, a third or forty percent of the season, but like he also could get injured. You know, just as easily. You know, not only do you can you sometimes suck and die when you get old, but what really gets you is the injuries, like the hamstring injury that you just never come back from. Like, you know, it's funny you say that because it's like Eloy's been so injury prone. And then the other thing is it's like, and I noticed this the other week of like Mook was complaining about Acuna and Buxton, these guys never playing every day, you know, and by the way, I know it's going to sound like I jinxed it because he's out of the game tonight for like back spasms or something, but Goldschmidt is that, that, you know, it's like he's, 10 years older than these guys, but I can rely on him to be penciled in the lineup every single day. Yeah. yeah I mean, some of these guys are just reliable. It's really like, do they have that nagging injury or like that one thing? Like, you know, the pitcher's elbow. Like in Martinez, doesn't Martinez DH most days anyway? So, okay. So what, if not Eloy Jimenez, what is the best asset that you think Pat could get for JD Martinez? Cause I think Eloy is kind of like the ceiling that I see so far. Yeah. Of what would be available. Uh, Talked about Corbin Carroll, but obviously we know that trade wouldn't happen. Uh, and that that's on Housky's end, right? That is, you think about it like a top prospect, uh, but like looking at the prospect list, like and teams, there's nothing that's going to match up, right? And then and then it comes down to or his better scenario would be coming at what about like a hurt pitcher, like from. From my side, like a Friday Peralta or Glass now, or so would would you do Peralta for JD Martinez? I yeah, that'd be I'd have to I'd have to think about it, but I probably would. Yes. Okay, I mean I think that's that's reasonable from Pat's standpoint. I mean Peralta obviously had the huge breakout last year, uh, but you know, can he last the full season healthy? That's a risk. Same we we're talking about Eloy. Uh, but they're both young, both again, 96, um, uh, birth year that is. So yeah, maybe that's kind of the, the type of pitcher that you could get one for one for JD Martinez. Again, you don't care about this year, uh, or Pat does. Yeah. I should say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pat has interesting, uh, pieces to move for sure. No, and he does. And it's like, there's a lot of guys other than just JD and Lynn, like those are the obvious guys you move off, I think, but then there's the. Yeah, you, you trade Rodon. Do you trade? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. He has, he has in Rodon Pavetta's pitch really well out of nowhere. Um, Bobby Ray does does he move on from him? I I think so. Rodon is a keep for me. Like, and I think Pavetta, you try to flip as a guy who you think's doing well so far, but may not keep it up. Uh, but you have to keep some guys, right? Um, yeah. So. You know, I think either he shops everybody and figures out, you know, I'm going to get a huge offer for Rodon. Maybe I do trade him and I keep that makes me keep Robbie Ray, but I think he's going to trade 
Cueto, uh, Pavetta, um, you know, Lynn, and maybe you keep Ray and Rodon, and then you keep you know your best hitters, whatever you can get back. And then he's got guys like Ian Happ, um, Jock Peterson. Like these guys are all going to go at the trade deadline to someone. Yeah. And then he's got a bunch of yeah. interesting infielders in, you know, Cabrian Hayes, Glaber Torres. Are these keepers or are these guys that you're going to flip? That was the other funny thing. So I got talking, Pat was texting me about trying to trade me some of these guys. And I assume it's because he's asking for like, you know, Bobby Witt or, or, Austin Riley or something. And like, so I bring that up to get that out of the way. And Pat's like, no, I just want picks from you. So that's fair. It's maybe you just shop everybody and see what kind of picks are available. And then you default into whatever. And I think Pat's going to end it. And Pat's going to have like the three or four first round picks like he had the one year. And he's going to draft, uh, you know, Elvis Andrus and uh, that guy from the Astros who's not league anymore. Do you think he goes for, for picks from like Lynn? Uh, and those type of guys. I or... think, yeah, I think that's how it ends up because the thing is, is Pat in his mind, like as much as it's interesting, like I like the idea that he's rostering Brian Hayes. You see what he does the rest of the year. In Pat's mind, he already has him penciled in as a keeper, right? Like in 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 permanent marker, you know, like that's that's to that plays into Pat's faults too in the way that he manages of like once he gets the idea that like somebody's good or that he's done something good, then like it's like okay, yeah, I don't need anything more than that. Yeah. And so to be fair, like I do that, like at any given point in time, I can tell you if the season ended today, here's who my eight keepers would be. But like, I am willing to, to shift off that position sometimes mistakenly. Um, but yeah, yeah, you have to be a little bit fluid, but yeah. I very much understand a lot. I always say, I say this all the time in this podcast, a lot changes between now and we, us declaring keepers in March a lot. But you're right. Maybe he says, oh, Gorman's a keeper. Cabrian Hayes is a keeper. Torres is a keeper. Got to keep those guys. So I only have one other slot. So, you know, I got to trade for picks. And so, so from that point, I'm not, in, I'd rather have picks than trying to try Bobby Witt Jr. out of Ian's team. Right. And picks are kind of like a, a bit like a, a cop out in our league because if you trade player for player, like you can end up looking kind of stupid. Uh, but like picks are universal. It's just currency. So like, let me cash yeah. in. This could be anything. And then when you, when you blow those picks again, like you said on Elvis Andrews or whatever, you know, no one connects it back to, Oh, I traded JD Martinez for Elvis Andrews. Like, but if they traded JD Martinez for Eli Jimenez, but honestly, that's what happens in this league. It does. Yeah. They, they you trade, you trade a guy for a couple of picks that become, you know, nothing like. Yeah. I'd rather like, I'd rather take a chance sometimes on, a, on an injured guy. I think it's more interesting, obviously, for the league, like to have those types of assets moved. Um, okay, so yeah. JD, JD Martinez, Lance Lynn, likely moving from Pat. I'm looking at some of the other uh, teams. Brendan's team we talked about a little bit is is interesting. He's got a lot of players similar to last year, where you're like, oh, I could see this guy as like the seventh or eighth keeper on a team, but Brendan just has like ten of those guys. Yeah, he has. I think he has more of those guys now, but also too, I just think. I think um, he has a lot of those guys, but I, I also just feel like his keeper set will be better this year. I feel like there's more interesting guys on his team that he would keep over them, so it's easier to move on from them. Whereas, like you know, Willie Thomas, he held on to last year because he didn't really have anybody else to keep. I think now, like 
now that like O'Neill Cruz is up, like Tucker's still there. Obviously, you have, you know, Tell Marte is another guy. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's been really interesting. Yep. Too that's emerged. Like I, I just think the the base talent level is a little better. So it's like those fringe guys. He's probably maybe a, a little more willing to move on from. But I think they're all like relatively interchangeable, like the Willie Adams and like the Indias. Um, and the differences between a, where I always say like, okay, guys, values change a lot between now and keeper deadline. Like, I think at this point we know what Willie Adams is. Sure, and he's pretty yeah, decent. Now, like, yeah, yeah, like, like he's he kept decent, as, a, as like, an eighth keeper. That's like, fine. It's not like he's going to launch into being a top thirty player in the next three months, you know. Right. Uh, whereas, like, that could happen with Andrew Vaughn. That could happen with, you know, O'Neill Cruz or Abrams or, you know, whoever, you know. For sure. So I think, like, the the texture of Brendan's team, much different than Pat, where Pat has those kind of older guys that are, like, somewhat, you know, elite. Uh, and he can make some interesting trades for those if he decides to move on, which I think he should. Brendan's got, like, these these middle-tier guys and a bunch of them that he could flip for, you know, hopefully picks this year. Um, yeah. And then a lot hinges on, you know, what we would talk about, like what is going to be the asset value of Jack Flaherty at the end of the season. Right. And, you know, is Jack Flaherty your fourth best, best pitcher? If, if so, are you, you keeping him? Yeah. Uh, so does Severino do this all this year? Does, you know, obviously I think it's like Baz and Alcantara, like his two top valued starting pitchers, but it's the same thing. It's like, can, is Mackenzie Gore going to do this all year is, is Luis Severino going to do this all year? It, you know, and if you is believe, Jack Flaherty going to get healthy? If you believe like a Gore or you know Flaherty has a month and a half that's really good, do you flip those guys and think you know not worth the risk? Let me get the assets because those guys may be worth more than you know a Willie Adams or some of those lower ceiling guys. Um, so that that could be interesting if he decides to make yeah. a pitcher or two available if he if he has you know, the three guys that he really wants to keep and doesn't want to keep five pitchers, which I don't think is probably a, a good look. And I'll be, and, you know, and to be fair, as much as you about the low trade of him moving inventory, you know, one thing we knocked him for last year was kind of not doing that and right. spending too much on the roster and guys, like at least he started the process of, okay, I get something. Then I move on to another roster spot and I go try and scoop up something else and move him again for another, you know, mid round pick or whatever. So maybe low is just the first domino to fall in, you know, I've yeah. got four hitters to move and let me see what I can get for them. Yeah. I'll take what I can get for this now and then I'll move on and worry. And then I can be more selective or, you know, pick my spot for the other guys. Right. Or if I get five fifth round picks, you know, that's probably fine. Even if I don't get a, yeah. third, a third round pick for low, so be it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Brandon's got some interesting things to move. Um, you, you got, put, you put on the notes, you put on the notes, speed's got nothing. So yeah, let me talk about that. So a lot of times, um, you know, you're looking through a team at who someone might keep. And I think that keep that speed has pretty eight pretty solid keepers between Freddie Freeman, Castellonis, Teoscar, Manny Machado, Tatis, that's five hitters. And then on the pitching side, uh, Woodruff, he's got, you know, Otani. So then he's got kind of like an eighth. So either Sonny Gray, uh, Charlie Morton, who's kind of turning Aaron around Ashby, a little bit. Aaron Ashby, maybe. Aaron Ashby. So he really, ha he has like an Adam Wayne, right? He, he and does a Sonny have that Gray. funny rock. Yeah, but other than that, it's like the reason why he's so bad is because he's had those 
he has the clear keepers, but then it's like nothing in between really. Oh, it's shit. Like what, who's the, who's the best hitter that, that speed is going to be able to, I, you know, I looked at his roster today and I laughed because it was like, it was like the, the stout guy from the Phillies. Yeah. Stott. Sorry, Scott, Stott, whatever. Uh, you know, like he's got him, he's got Jose Miranda who's batting terribly and like, yeah, he's got nothing. I mean, Mark Canna. <laughs> Andres Jimenez. Canna's been all right, though, I guess. Andres Jimenez from Cleveland has been decent, but like you might even keep that guy as like your eighth keeper. So he does have Wainwright and he's got like Sonny Gray to, to flip. Those are the, his first two picks, his only really two picks this year. So he's going to be able to get the, rid of those guys. But otherwise, it's not like he's in Brendan's situation where, you know, Make me an offer. I've got five or six guys to trade. And he's not, and he's also not in a move where he feels a rush to dump Freeman or Woodruff if he was healthy because it's like, oh, he still has to tease Machado. He can immediately reload next year, even though he's missing the first round pick still. As long as you say you move, you just move Gray and Wainwright and try and get some kind of pick or two back. You have, yeah. even though you're missing the first round, you have then extra picks. And then you take your was your top keeper set beforehand you have the same thing you reload and you go back at it yeah instead of two picks in the top eight rounds he'll have like nine picks in the top eight rounds with yeah. the same keeper it's not set. like pat's roster where martinez and lynn are kind of sitting on their own there where you know speed's right. got these other guys behind you know say woodruff and freeman that are superstars right because castellonis is 30 not 35 so like Castellanos yeah, yeah. is going to be a, a big part of speed's next competing team whereas jd martinez may not be like if he yeah. doesn't compete next year, then he's 37 year old JD Martinez in 2024. And then it's like, okay. Uh, so that's kind of the yep. difference there. So I think speed is like relatively locked in with his eight keepers. What he should be doing is just like churning free agency. Like he should have picked up like the Tywin Walker to hope Walker strings together a month and a half of good starts. And you flip him for a seventh round pick. Like that's, that's his role. That's what he should be doing. Yeah, I, I agree. Or, you know, and then obviously there's the playing younger guys as they come up or trying to grab, you know, rookies as they're called up. But yeah, I agree. And other than that, I'd be yeah, churning the, uh, I don't know if he's just streaming them, but I you know, he picked up Roddy Telez right as I was looking at him uh, tonight. Like, I guess that's an all right guy. You know, he can get hot again. For certain. Yeah, these are the type of guys that he should pick up. Telez had like a hot month there. The peripherals look really good too, and then it just fell off a cliff for a while there. So. And then you hope, I guess, Teoscar shows life, and, you, and he, you he has been a little bit. Yep. Yeah, he has been a little bit. Yeah, he's gotten it together some, but just a little too late for speed. No, no reason to sell low on Teoscar at this point. Uh, yeah, or Castellanos. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah. Ne next up, just to check it off the list, Justin Verlander. I don't think Mook is. First of all, I think Mook's still competing, and even if he wasn't, I think Mook is keeping Justin Verlander despite both you and I are interested. I've made some overtures at, at Well, I think so. The reason why I put Verlander on there is because Luke falls out of it and he doesn't want to keep them, which I think are two, you know, whatever. I'm not going to say likely scenarios, but very possible scenarios. Verlander would be the biggest move shake, you know, the biggest groundbreaking, I think, trade ship to happen. Right. So let's say that he decides to move on from Verlander because, um, you know, he's already got eight other keepers he really likes. Yeah. So he's not looking and for Verlander's 37 or whatever. He's not looking for a keeper in return 
what do you think is the asking price for Verlander with picks? I, I mean, yeah, I think you'd be able to get a first and second easy for him. That, that's that's my baseline, and, and then we're competing. Yeah, from that'd there, be my right? baseline. Yeah, and then you're going from there. Yeah, because like the team that you trade him to may keep like he's he's going to be kept. Uh, oh yeah, like you could see my roster. Oh yeah, oh my god, constructed of. I trade a first and second round pick for Verlander, and then I keep I keep Verlander going into the next year. So, like, I I talked about the four pitchers he has in in uh, Bieber, Verlander, Scooble. And I did and that Max. before with Ortiz. I traded for Ortiz, thinking it was a one year thing, and then I just kept him for two for or like three, three years. years after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a thirty eight year old, thirty nine year old David Ortiz, and you just wait for him yeah. to die. And like Nelson yeah. Cru- Nelson Cruz was that way for Mook for a little while there. Uh, yeah. So Mook would have to find like five other guys that he likes better, five hitters he likes better than Justin Verlander, plus the oodles of picks he would get in return. So like Correa, Alonzo, Buxton, Acuna, and like it's really like Eloy. So it's is does Correa or Taylor Ward Ward warrant keeping uh, over Verlander if you were able to get a? Bunch I of think picks? that's what it matters on is that. How much of how much of this is Taylor Ward being legit? You see that string out over the year, over the next month or two. Obviously, I think he's good. You know, you just wonder how much how good he really is. Uh, and then obviously, then it's the same old thing with Trey. I'd be so tired of knowing him. Yeah, and then and Eloy too, because like you're definitely going to keep yeah. Acuna, Buxton, and Alonzo. So it's like, where are my two hitters that are pushing Verlander off the table for me? And it, it's got to be two of Correa, Ward, and Eloy. So it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting. I don't think, I don't think Mook is moving on from him. I think Verlander is basically Max Scherzer 2.0 here. It's the old ass guy that when he pitches is going to be awesome and Mook's going to ride him till they die. And that's the scare. I mean, and it is, I mean, I'm just, I've been kind of saying Mook's out of it just because I kind of hope Mook's out of it. It's like, I'd hate for him to be in the muck and have Scherzer and Verlander healthy the second half. <laughs> And really, it's actually Joe Ryan as well. Like, I'd hate that from a perspective of someone who will be in the muck with him. Right. Like, Joe Ryan's probably on that bubble. Like, he might be moved. If, if Mook falls out of it, you're looking at, like, Taylor Ward, Joe Ryan, uh, and Correa that are would be movable assets for Mook. And I think that's really interesting, too. Yeah. Like, what's Joe Ryan get, like, get in terms of a draft pick right now? I don't know. The problem with him, versus, like, a Verlander or something, like, is, is Ryan going to be still pitching and effective right. in September? You know, like, that'd that, be my, yeah. He had that initial injury that actually kind of helps his innings this year. Um, yeah, you kind of hope that, yeah, it kind of works out a little bit. But yeah, uh, Verlander would certainly be interesting. So other teams, uh, I guess the last one we should talk about is, is Trevor. Uh, kind of identified Trevor as a dead team. Like I said, I think he had a bounce last week. Um you know, beating Bill, so you know, big whoop. Uh, but what does Trevor have on his team to offer to, to people? Yeah, he, he's got. I know he's got some pitching pieces in like those. You know, like like Tyler Malley's gotten it back together. You know, recently he's got. Um, I mean, you wonder if because he's well, not him, but I, I mean, I don't know. Like, does he trade Pablo Lopez or not? Uh, I mean, I feel like. You know, there's three keepers, obviously, then Gallon, Wheeler, and Lopez, you would think. And then and it's like Sandoval is a fourth. Yeah, but I mean, you could move Sandoval, you can move Cindergard, Merrill Kelly, Tyler Mollett, like yeah. shit. 
Yeah, Tyler he's got, Molly, yeah. He's got like four four guys, four pitchers that he could move on from. I feel like I just put Crone on there because although like Crone's been so good, I feel like Crone's a guy that Trevor wouldn't keep necessarily. Do we uh do we move on from Jose Abreu? He should, but he won't. Again, 35-year-old. Yeah. Like, is he going to be part of Trevor's next best team? By the way, are we, we going to talk about Bregman being very mediocre again? I, I feel like we talked about it last last pod. Like, Bregman was, like, again, yeah. top 25 fantasy asset, and now it's like, is he a top 100 yeah. fantasy asset? Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, the problem is, is that, I mean, you look at – obviously, okay, Nelson Cruz probably moves if – I know he had a really bad start to the year, but hope you know you figure he probably you know you probably have to see him hit a little bit more before he becomes enough of an asset to move. Jeff McNeil, uh, but then again, yeah, McNeil I think is a guy that you know you're not going to keep, but is effective because he plays infield and outfield. You know. So besides Bregman, like what hitters are you even keeping on this team? Kirilov. That's the problem. Yeah. And once I- again, how long are we going to do? You talk about holding on to rookies for three years as they go through double A. How long are we going to do this with Kirilov? Is he going to keep Torkelson and Kirilov this year? I mean, Torkelson, I think, is a must. It's Torkelson's like the, I mean, I don't think Devers was ever this bad, but it's like the, it's like that point where it's like you don't care how bad he is, you're 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 keeping him into the next year. I agree because he could he could Andrew Vaughn next year. Like Vaughn was this Vaughn was yeah, this and last I, year. and I think exactly, and I think Torkelson is you know, as a prospect was considered or is considered, you know, I consider him to be a higher talent level ceiling than Vaughn. Agree. Uh, so yeah, like Tor- Torkelson, obviously I think is a guy that, you know, as a prospect, we regard as being a potential, you know, top 10 offensive force with, right. Uh, yes, I agree. I yeah. Mean, like has top, that top ceiling 10, level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like hitter, first, yeah. yeah. But I know he plays first and all that, but it's like, the you know you figure a guy that would hit for a lot of power you know or basically be i mean i can see him being like pete alonso at least agree agree so yeah, yeah you're keeping torkelson kirilov bregman so then like yeah you got some name like jose breo should probably move like i need a first yeah baseman. move on from him yeah he's got he's got to keep bregman again you just do you just keep uh, crone because maybe- crone is so good or do you say this is the best Crone will be? I think this has got to be the peak of Crone, right? He's in Colorado. Uh, you know, so, I, like what can you, what can you get for Crone? A first plus, like a first I think and fourth. You, you sell, yeah, yeah. I think you sell him for a high draft pick. Yeah, and you just say, I hope he doesn't do this for the next three years. Yeah, but like selling him allows you to keep who. Crone was really good for like a month or two at that last year, and then he got dropped eventually. I guess, I guess, yeah. Like I can trade Crone so I can keep Jose or Breu or keep Noah Simmons. I mean, ideally, you you sell them both off, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Once again, Trevor's in this area, and it's interesting because he's middle of the standings right now, technically, or at least like at the bottom of the muck. Uh, I said last year, like we didn't see him like. He did a good – I don't doubt Trevor's going to be great at accumulating picks and, and squeezing picks out of guys. I, but then it's like, okay, what roster building are you going to do for your keeper set? Because he didn't right. do that much last year, I feel. Yeah, last Other year. Than like he, now, I'll give him credit. He made the trade for Pablo Lopez that has worked out really well for him now. You know, it looks like a, he added a keeper there. But, like, I mean, the other guys were like, you know, he, he kept Ramon Lariano. He 
you know, Karloff was another guy that he added that once again this year so far looks, you know, isn't, you know, he's kind of, he's just kind of carrying along. You make a good point there uh, that Trevor is a guy who's not afraid to trade for players, which is interesting where I said, you know, most of the time people are trading for picks where he, he's not afraid to go after a certain guy. Like he traded for Syndergaard, Lopez. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if, and Kirilov, I'll be interested to see if he like chooses like an Eloy Jimenez type guy, like to yeah. offer Mook the Trevor, platter. Trevor's not scared. The thing is, is Trevor's not scared to engineer a trade like that. Right. And Trevor's, uh, you know, again, I haven't talked to the guy much, but my perception is one of Trevor's skills is to orchestrate that type of trade. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that trade, that trade is harder than just a draft pick trade because you have to convince the yeah, guy. Yeah. Draft pick trade is easy. Is it? Yeah. Uh, and I think Trevor's got that in his skill set that, he, that he's shown uh, for better or for worse. Like, um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see whether he flips some of these assets for players and which players he chooses to, to acquire. Uh, he did a good job last year. He got it. He had an extra first, extra second, extra third. He hit on a bunch of those picks. Great. Um, but you know, does he go into next year with a better keeper set than he came into this year? Cause it, it wasn't that great. Yeah. Cause I mean, other than that, I mean, it picks turned out already nabbed gallon. Um, you know, I think Mally as of late has pitched a lot better. Uh, you know, Sandoval was a great pick. You yeah, know, like I think he hit four four of his first Crone, six picks. Crone was a decently high pick. He obviously nailed that. Yep. First picks were Ian Anderson, not great. Molly, fine. Gallon, great. Chapman, not great. Crone, great. Sandoval, pretty darn good. Like he good, he had yeah. some good success. Then Cruz and Taylor Rogers, Barlow. He's already traded two of those guys. So yeah, he might be uh, selling everything. It's just what's what's left to build. Because again, no Bregman as the elite, you know, building block. It's not like Speed had Manny Machado all those years. So it's like, what do I add to Manny Machado? Like, what's Trevor's base here? Like his superstar. I, there is. You, you hope Torkelson, right? Like, if, yeah, that's you why hope you got to keep him. But it's like until yeah, that's why no matter what you keep him. Yeah, uh, that's his guy. I mean, really, it's like the only other base of his team really is. It's like you got the Wheeler Lopez gallon combination but it's like none of those guys is a top is a top 10 pitcher maybe maybe wheeler like maybe top 15 yeah uh and i you know and i certainly think gallon can have that type of potential too but it's it's not that a lot of teams like brendan as much as we didn't think that was that good he had the combination going to the year flaherty and obviously we didn't know his injury so bad but like flaherty castillo and alcantara that it's like yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of a lot of these. Bill has had three good starting pitchers. He has three good starting pitchers going into this year too. Um, right. You know, Cole at the time, Rogers, and then um, Musgrove. Gallon max innings pitched in a season is one twenty. Lopez is like one ten. That's the yeah. So it's like yeah, these guys have the, guys. the talent, but to jump from like the thirtieth or thirty fifth best pitcher to the top twenty, you got to pitch the hundred seventy five innings, and can they do that? Uh, yeah. And then again, building through pitching is fine, but you at least want to have some hitters and it doesn't seem like he's got that elite talent uh, on the hitting side. Yeah. But yeah, he's got, he at least has some interesting pieces to move. And again, he's an active owner. We've already seen it uh, getting. Yeah. It'd be good to see, good to see uh, what everybody does. I feel like, like I said, I think there'll be a lot of activity over the next, over the next month. 
I'm interested to see if this year teams go as hard all in as they did last year. Last year was unlike anything I don't I've think ever so. seen. It's just, like, it's just like this economy, Jamie. Everybody spent their stimulus last summer. Right. They're out of it. And the only people left now are the people who are going to swipe their credit cards up and down. So also I'm interested in some of these newer, te- newer teams to contention, like let's say Duty and Perry. They don't have the reps. They, they haven't been doing this the last 10 years. Do they know how hard to push? Is, are they going to cheat oh, out? Duty's aggressive, though. Like, and this is Duty's year. We're, we're talking about him with the rookies. It's like, he's, uh, I feel like he's been, he's been upset people aren't selling to him. But then again, like, Duty's doing this classic, like, he's asking for guys that managers are going to keep, and he's offering, you know, a second round pick for that. Right. So is he the first and second round pick for Verlander type of guy? Obviously, you and I would both make that trade. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I think Duty wouldn't be too. Duty definitely would be. Yeah. So, I'll be interested to see what his big purchases are. Like we all have that, yeah, that powder. We all have, we all finite, finite resources to spend in terms of the draft pick games. It gets more interesting when you talk about other, when you put other things on the table, whether it be a top prospect or a a a keeper level player. Right. So like you bought Goldschmidt and uh, old ass, what's his face one year for your first and third round pick, or was it Bumgarner? I was like, okay. Cranky. Cranky and like, okay, Ian doesn't have a first round pick. Don't have to worry about him anymore. Obviously, that's worked yeah, out great with Goldie. Against it. Yeah. Like I got Liam Hendricks and Presley last year for my first and second, probably a little overpay and uh hindsight, but like that's my that's my big move. Like what's duty's big move? Yeah, it's like everybody gets their big move to spend their picks basically. Um obviously you kind of gotta pick who it is. So yeah, interested to see that. And then Perry again operates in a different planet sometimes like what what is he willing to do to to push chips in is he really competing this year uh does he know how to push chips in without again i'm not trying to take too much credit or talking about it over and over again but this is a guy who i used to talk to every other week about what trades he should be making we don't talk like that anymore do people have to go to him like proposing trades or is he going to be active getting out there in the market negotiate negotiate with perry is the toughest thing yeah so a lot, a lot of moving pieces uh, could be, you know, shifting around over the next month, and it's it's exciting to see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, interesting next few weeks, and uh, I guess I don't know. We'll probably, I feel like by the time we get on, there'll be there'll be a couple more moves to talk about and stuff to break down. Any final thoughts uh, before we we sign off here? Uh, nah, that's about it. I uh, have a safe and happy fourth, Jamie. Good. You, you as well, heading down to the beach. Hopefully you've got plans with a uh, single mom. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be doing, uh, I'll be actually, I'm, we're, I'm taking her to Evan's wedding. She's going to meet a lot of guys from the league. So that's going to be interesting. Wow. Wonderful. Okay. I'll be interested in, has she met anybody yet? Perfect. She's met speed and okay. she's met Evan too briefly. Uh, but that's it. And she's met Brendan. Speed's a good person to meet. Uh, yeah. First, speed's the first good one, but like, now she's got to now she's got to meet you know Perry and Pat the, the, on the wackos. same day. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Josh pretty shy early on. Uh, he doesn't show. He doesn't let his wild show. But Pat's off. Pat's not. Well, is Pat's wife going to be there? Yeah, Miriam will be there. Pat's always much better. Yeah, behaved. she 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 acts as a you know a dampening factor for Pat's craziness. Let me yeah. ask you. God bless that woman. Over under six months before Pat triumphantly announces to the chat that he's accepted a new position with a different company, leveraging his previous accounting skills, and he's out of the, the Bitcoin, Bitcoin game. I think, 
over under six months. Over under six months. And it's all, it's going to happen exactly that way. It's going to be triumphant. I got out. I made a ton of money. I was so much experience. This new role so great. Here's why. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. When I always say that, you know, when crypto finally burns down, Patsy's like, I knew it all along. Right. Over under six months is all I'll ask. Uh, I'm going to go, I'll go over. Yeah, I think that's the safe bet right now. <laughs> yeah. Not because of anything having to do with Bitcoin, but just Pat, you know. And yeah. It, it might take some time, you know, for the alarm bells to go he off. Held on, he held on to Brendan Rodgers for longer than he's been working for this company. So, or running this company or whatever. We'll, uh, we'll check back in six months on that one, Ian. We'll see when Bitcoin's uh, down to 10K or whatever. It's I'll, down to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the... Uh, the Biden trade economy is going to uh, going to ramp up here in, in just a few uh, few weeks, and we'll see we'll see what happens. Whether well, we'll inflation that, continues, I think the inflation is going to hit everybody Fourth of July, man. It's going yeah. to hit everybody in the face. For first round picks having uh, for mediocre closers, it's going to yeah. happen. All right, my friend. Uh, until next time, it's great talking to you. All right, you too.